Hi there, and thank you for tuning in to the following message provided by Renewed Church. We pray that this message will be a blessing and encouragement for you. For more information about our church, please visit www.renew.miami. It's, uh, it's an honor to be with you. Um, just got back last night, so uh, got back from uh, New York City. We had an amazing time. Thank you for that. <laughs> I don't know if that deserves a clap or not, but we had an amazing time in New York City. And uh, man, just so thankful for uh, our church and the support of our church and just everybody that, that uh, does what they do to make uh, Renew a reality. Even when I'm gone, you know, knowing that uh, Misfit Youth is happening, knowing that small groups are happening, knowing that we can just get away for a little bit and come back and, and uh, man, just jump right in, jump right back into it. And I'm thankful for that. So we're in our sermon series. It's called Stress Less. And so we've been talking about it. We started it two weeks ago on our birthday. And then last week we kind of took a, pushed a pause on it because of uh, the Super Bowl Sunday. Um, but I'm picking it back up. And we'll be in this sermon series for the next few weeks. Um, and, and part of the reason why we are in this uh, series is, is um, because of kind of some circumstances that I was going through. Just a few months ago, I mean, really, I guess it was just, just a month and a half ago or so, right there between Christmas and New Year's, um, that's supposed to be like pretty chill, right? That's supposed to be that time that uh, I, I got to do it right now. So stand up, Chris. There she comes. There comes your bride. Uh, let's give them a round of applause. Mr. and Mrs. Chris and Allie from Mosa. Uh, some of y'all know Allie from uh, worship team, and she has been out for, for the last few months with a lot of things going on in her life, and, and uh, they just got married, so congratulations, guys. Thank you all. All right. Um, and Mikey did the wedding uh, last week. That was awesome, man. That's where Mikey was last week. Uh, That's cool. Um, but between Christmas and New Year's, it's supposed to be like pretty chill, right? And, and for, for me in ministry, that's that time when there's not a lot happening. There's not a, uh, you know, everything slows down right there between that time, right? No, for, for the church even, no events, uh, no school, just rest from a busy Christmas season that was building up to, you know, Christmas and we were supposed to go to Legoland that week, and, and we didn't. It, was, it, it didn't happen. It started to, the weather got bad. And, and I'm glad because, honestly, that week was weird for me. I couldn't focus. And I was, like, highly stressed, and I don't even know why. You ever had those moments in your life where, where uh, you, you have pressure and you don't know where the pressure's coming from? You have anxiety and you don't know where the anxiety's coming from? You can't sleep, and there's no reason why you can't sleep? <sighs> It's hard in those moments to even write a sermon, I'll tell you that. But God's been preparing me, I think, to write these uh, sermons through even that experience. And the Lord brought me to this verse this last week, and I had no intention of preaching it, but I felt like it was where I was just a few weeks ago. So, so I'm going to take you there just for a minute. It's not our primary text, but this is where, where I was this last week as I was preparing for this message. And, and besides the story of Christ and the the passion of the Christ, the crucifixion. It's got to be one of the hardest couple of chapters in the Bible. One of those moments in the Bible where you're like, God, where in the world are you? You know, I know you're faithful, but why is all this stuff happening? It's the story of Job. It's the story of, of, you know, uh, for those of you that don't know, it's the Kanye song, When I Thought the Book of Job Was a Job. This is that book, that story of, of Job. And Job, he loses in two chapters, chapters one and chapter two, he loses his stuff. His enemies come and kills all of his servants. People steal all of his livestock and camels. A tornado or some kind of other windstorm kills his kids. And then he has this skin disease. And it's so bad that like he's literally taking some kind of like tile or glass or some sharp objects and he's scraping his skin like he's cutting himself because he's in so much agony. And then the next 38 chapters, he's in mourning. And during this 38 chapters of all those things that he's mourning, his friends Eliphaz, Zophar, and Bildad are like, you need to repent. And Job's like, I didn't do anything. What do I need to repent for? It's not me. Job tells him in uh, verse, chapter 16, verse 2, he says, you're miserable comforters. So this is just a side sermon for another day and maybe for one person today. Don't be a miserable comforter. Be a good friend, not a miserable comforter. Uh, but this is the verses that Job says in Job chapter 9. He says, my days are swifter than a runner. T- 
time like is, is flying by at that. They, they fly away without a glimpse of joy. In other words, the days are flying by, there's no joy, and they skim past like boats of papyrus, like paper boats on the, on the, on the lake. They're like eagles swooping down on their prey. And Job says, if I say I will forget my complaint, I will change my expression and smile. He's saying, like, I'm going to try to do this. I'm going to try to fake a smile right here, right now. But I still dread, verse 28, all my sufferings, for I know you will not hold me innocent. You know, I dread my life. That's what Job is saying in Job chapter 9. I dread my utter existence. And since I'm already found guilty, why should I struggle in vain? Since I'm already found guilty, like all of this has already been happened, like I've already been condemned, why should I struggle? Why keep fighting? He says, even if I washed myself with soap and my hands with cleansing powder, you know, even if I had palm olive hands, even if I tried to clean up, you would plunge me into a slime pit so that even my clothes would detest me. Man, how many of you know Job is having a tough day? This is so bad. Job is saying, I can't even smile in the slime pit. Like, there is no way that I'm going to be able to get through this. He is not a mere mortal like, like me that I might answer him, that we might confront each other in court. In other words, Job is saying at this point in the story, and you can read the rest of the story, but at this point in the story, Job is saying God is just unapproachable. God is not there, and God is not going to help me with this. I can't get through this. My circumstances are too bad. Anybody relate to that? Anybody ever related to that at some point in your life? Life is flying by with no joy. You're like, why do I even exist? What is my purpose for life? I dread everything. Like, I don't even know why I'm here. Why do I keep on struggling? Is it even worth it? I cannot and I will not smile in this slime pit that I'm in. I feel like God has thrusted me into this pit. I'm into this position that I'm in, and I am not going to smile. I could fake it, but it doesn't even work. That's where Job was, and maybe that's where some of you are. Maybe because of emotional issues or depression. Maybe it's problems with your kids. Maybe your finances are broken. Your health is bad. You feel like you don't have any friends, real friends. Maybe you're having trouble because you're, you're having trouble in your marriage or you can't find a marriage partner, that person to spend your life is. Whatever it is, the best description is Job's, I think. He says, this is a slime pit. There's no reason to even clean up. I'm not getting out of this mess. I'm just not going to. I almost titled this message, Stressing Less in the Slime Pit. But I want to take you to a different slime pit for just a minute. I want to take you to another pit for, for uh, the rest of the message this morning. And this is Paul's pit, the Apostle Paul. Okay, so we're going to be in the New Testament this morning in the book of Philippians for the most, the remainder of the message. And I want to give you, first of all, a little bit of context on who Paul was. He was one of the apostles. He was originally a Pharisee. A Pharisee, if you remember from two weeks ago when I preached about this, Jesus and the Pharisees didn't quite get along. In fact, I called them the Pharisites because why they, they were always like looking at themselves like they were better than everybody else, but Jesus called them whitewashed tombs. In other words, they were beautiful on the outside and dead on the inside. That's the way Jesus looked at him. Paul was one of those guys. He said he was a Hebrew of Hebrews circumcised on the eighth day, which is when the law required. He was of the tribe of Benjamin, one of the 12 tribes of Israel. He was a religious zealot, and that's not a compliment. He was there giving approval even when Stephen was killed. That was the very first martyr there in Acts. And it says his righteousness, it was faultless. Like if you looked up the definition of legalism, there was a picture of Paul. Saul actually was his name before. So then he's converted in, in Acts chapter 9, he has this miraculous experience, and, and, and Jesus there on that road, like, knocks him off his horse. He's blinded, and, and then Jesus calls out and says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he says, who are you, Lord? Saul's already recognizing that it's the Lord, and, and the response Jesus says is, I am Jesus. So from that point on, Saul becomes Paul. And he becomes the greatest missionary ever lived. And he writes over, I think, close to half of the New Testament. Like, this guy's pretty important within the Bible. Half of the New Testament. So that's the story of his background. That's the story of Saul becoming Paul. 
And then this is Paul's letter to the church at Philippians. This letter, to give you a little more context, is 30 years after that. So Paul has been in ministry now. Paul is uh, doing mission travels. He's starting churches all over the region. Like he is the leader of the church. Him and Peter probably like the two primary leaders in the church. And so Paul is writing this letter there in uh, to the Philippians. And he's in prison. And he's writing to the church telling them how much joy he has. Okay, he, So he's about to share with them how much joy he has. Okay, so this is how he starts. And just to give you kind of like a, a, a just quick understanding of this, I'm doing the book of Philippians, or I'm doing this, this not in a verse-by-verse teaching, not even in a chapter-by-chapter teaching. I'm giving you a 20-minute, like 10,000-foot view of Philippians 1, 2, 3, and 4, because I want to hit on one theme. We'll go back, and there will be times when I'll preach, you know, chapter by chapter, and we'll, we'll hit on cer- certain subjects, but I want to hit on a theme that Paul seems to be uh, kind of uh, mentioning and talking about here in this. So this is where I want to go. I want to start in Philippians chapter 1. It's Philippians chapter 1, verse 12, and it says, Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. We'll stop there for just a minute. It's apparent that uh, it has become clear to everyone throughout the whole palace, and these are his enemies, these are the people that are holding him captive, that I am in chains, but I'm in chains for Christ. He goes on to say in verse 21, for me to live as Christ and to die is gain. So, so Paul has, has become a missionary 30 years before. He's now in about his 60s or early, early 60s, late 50s. And he's had 30 years to, to do ministry, to reach people, to be persecuted, to face everything that you face when you start like turning from your faith, turning from everything that you know, and then just saying, no, I'm going this way because God has called me to this, and this is the real way. This is Jesus. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And so he's had 30 years to do it, and he's writing to the people at this one particular church in Philippians, in Philippi, and he says to them, after 30 years of pain, struggle, and persecution, to live as Christ and to die is gain. To live is Christ, and to die is gain. Man, how do you do that? How do you overcome your external circumstances with an inner joy and an inner peace? How do you trade your outer pit? How do you trade your outer prison for an internal, internal peace? How do you do that? How do you smile in your slime pit? I want to give you, I'm going to take you to Philippians chapter 2 now. So, so now you understand Paul's in prison. He's writing this. If you can imagine a 60-year-old man, uh, well-versed in Scripture, uh, well-respected by many, many people, yet he's in prison for his faith, and he's writing this letter to these people, okay? So you see him writing the letter with chains on his, shackles on his hands. And he says this to them. He says, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. How do you do, how do you have internal peace in the midst of your pit, in the midst of your prison? He says, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This set of scriptures, Philippians chapter 2, is also kind of, uh, in, in some translations, it's... it's um, known as, as the, the reflecting Christ shining as stars, like re- looking like Jesus, having that same mindset. So this morning, here's what you have to do. You have to have the same mind of Jesus. You have to change your mind. In the middle of your 
circumstance, in the middle of your pit, in the middle of your prison, wherever you're at, you have to change your mind. Have you ever wanted to do one thing and then after some time, maybe after some thought, or maybe by the advice of someone you trust, you changed your mind? Like you had a change of, of mind. Remember, sometimes it's better not to make quick and rash decisions. That's when we get ourselves in trouble, right? So sometimes you need to kind of slow down and hear from somebody. That's what Paul is even saying to us. Take time, pray, seek counsel, and wait on the Lord to have the same mind of Christ in the midst of the circumstances. Instead of reacting to the circumstance, you've got to respond to the circumstance. You've got to like allow that thing to kind of like simmer in you and say, wait a second, why is this coming at me? Why is he attacking me? Why are these things happening? Let me, let me back up for a li- little bit. Let me take a breath Maybe even take a day. It doesn't, it doesn't have to be rushed into whatever the situation is and say, let me ask this question. What would Jesus do? You guys seen those bracelets, right? WWJD. What would Jesus do in this circumstance? Having the very mindset of Jesus. That way it's not emotional. That way your, your decision isn't just a decision based on your attitude or your feelings at the very moment. Like, life can be so emotional, can it? Like, and I'm the king of emotions. I'm like the guy that, like, can tear up at, you know, the sight of a puppy dog. I don't, I don't know why, but that's just, that's the way I'm made. One minute you're happy and you're on the mountaintop. And the next minute you're crying in the corner. Maybe you're not, but I am. That's the way sometimes life is. And Paul is saying to the church in Philippi and to the church in West Kendall, he's saying, change your mind. Change your mindset. Have the very mind of Christ. If you want to be able to overcome your circumstances, if you want to get through whatever it is that you're going through, even like I'm going through these things with these shackles on my wrists, you're going to need to change your mindset. You're going to need to have the very mind of Christ. And he goes on to say, this is what Christ did. He was the son of God, but he put on the nature of a servant. And not only was he a servant, but he was a martyr. Like he literally died on the cross. Like that's the kind of mindset that the Apostle Paul is saying to have. In spite of your external circumstances, put on the nature of a servant and be obedient even to death on the cross if that's what it was to take. And he says, Jesus did this and God exalted him. Jesus did this and God exalted him. God raised him up. Philippians chapter 3, again, I'm moving, I'm flying through these verses. Paul says, but whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. Whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. So he's in the middle of a prison. The food's not very good. Probably the air conditioning is not very good. It probably smells in there. It's probably like surrounded by like real criminals. And here's this man of God, and he's somehow, some way, able to write the letter to encourage the church. And in the midst of that, like he's like saying, to live is Christ and to die is gain. And I'm good to go wherever. I rejoice because even the palace guard, they know about it because of my chains, because of these circumstances. So I consider loss, what were my gains, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. Everything that was a gain, doesn't matter, it's in the past because it's for Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ my Lord. In other words, he's changed his mindset. Like his mind is focused on Christ for whose sake I've lost all things. I consider them, he says, garbage that I might gain Christ. You see, Paul has a new focus. In the midst of the external circumstances, in the midst of everything that's going on around him, Paul has a new focus. So everything else, it's rubbish. Everything else, it's just garbage. It really doesn't even matter what happens to him on the outside because of what has happened on the inside. Verse 9, it says, I I consider them garbage that I make that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. And then he says in verse 10, I want to know Christ. I want to know Christ. 
Here's the guy that's for 30 years done everything for Christ. Here's the guy that, that studied the, the, the Messiah to come for the first 30 years, but just his eyes weren't open, and he didn't know that that Messiah was Christ, and he was part of the persecution until God changed his heart. And so the next 30 years, he's focusing in on Christ is the Messiah. And he says, I want to know Christ. Yes, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings. Paul is saying, like, this is the best thing yet. Like, this, this is, I know it seems crazy, but me being in prison is a great thing. I'm participating with Christ in his sufferings. I get it. Like, I want you to get what I get. Becoming like him in his death and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already obtained this or that I've already arrived, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I don't consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, I forget what's behind, and I strain towards what is ahead, and I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Like that, that little verse this week for whatever reason, as I was writing this message, that little verse has been the verse that's just continued to, to, to like impress on me. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. I've never used the word heavenward in a sentence. Like I've never said, um, hey, we need to go heavenward really quick. Um, after we run to Publix, let's go heavenward. And then um, when, when that's done, we'll go watch the game together. But I'm, I'm, this, this, this is like just sitting on me. Press heavenward. Press heavenward. This isn't a, a get rich quick thing. Press heavenward. This isn't a, a, a prosperity thing. This isn't a uh, do this and God will make all your dreams come true thing. Like, Everything that just happened are things that we're just like, ooh, I don't know if I want any of that. It's not even a get-out-of-jail-free card thing. It's not even like one of those things where if you press heavenward, you're going to get your chains are going to fall off. At least in that moment, it didn't happen for Paul. It didn't happen in his circumstances. Paul's in prison. Paul's in his own slime pit. And since he can't really go anywhere in the physical, he's just going to press heavenward. He's just going to keep pressing heavenward. Here's what he says in chapter 4. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret to be content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do all things, very famous verse, through Christ who gives me strength. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. You see, this morning, I, I need you to understand that the happiness, it depends on happenings. That, that like emotion called happiness, yes, everybody recognize me. Yes, I got to go on the little Today Show set. Like, I'm happy. I'm happy about that. Happiness depends on happenings. But joy, it depends on Jesus. Do you understand that? You understand the difference? Happiness depends on happenings, but joy, they depend on joy. It depends on Jesus. So I need you to start saying yes to Jesus. Making a conscientious decision to say yes to Jesus will also include an intentional decision to say no to many other things in your life. Did you know that? Have you ever thought about that? Like when you say yes to something, you're obviously saying no to something else. Use, use the example of with your kids. Hey, uh, kids, i got to work overtime. I just said yes to my boss. Guess what you just said to your kids? No, kids. I'm not spending time with you. 
Your time is not as valuable as this time. And I know the circumstances. I know the situation. Sometimes you have to take advantage of those opportunities. But I'm saying you did, when you said yes to Jesus, you did say, I mean, yes to Jesus, yes to the boss, you did have to say no to your kids. Do you understand that? Say yes to Jesus, though, in this moment. And when you say yes to Jesus in this moment, you're obviously then having to say intentionally no to other things in your life that are counter to what Jesus would teach, to Jesus' life and his commands. So change your mind. Press heavenward and say yes to Jesus. We went to New York City, as you guys know. Uh, many of you know, I guess. Maybe not everybody knows. But my wife and I, our, our 20th anniversary was this, um, this week. Hard to believe we've been married 20 years. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And um, it was, uh, it, it's where we spent our honeymoon. We did our five-year there, 10-year there. We missed the 15-year, but we were like, let's make it up. Let's do 20 years. So we did 20 years there, and it was an amazing trip. Uh, on the flight there, uh, there, you know how they have the in-flight entertainment there and your seat rest in front of you. They were playing this movie called Ad Astra, the Brad Pitt movie. Anybody seen that movie? You guys know what I'm talking about, Ad Astra? It's, it's this movie, Ad Astra, I guess, means to the stars, right? It's, it's um, just blanked. Um, what's that? What's the, what's the language? Latin, Latin for uh, to the stars. Uh, uh, and, and so it's the story of uh, Brad Pitt trying to get to Neptune to where his dad is. And um, he's, he's chasing his dad. His dad is, is, uh, is, is trying to find life. And his dad keeps on going and going. They passed Mars and they're in Neptune and it's taken, I don't know how long, it's like light years and all of that. It's crazy, it's sci-fi. The space monkeys are really weird. I didn't understand that part of it if you've seen it. Um, but they were chasing after this thing and he finally got to where his, his dad was. And his dad was there alone, like on the outskirts of Neptune. The rest of the crew, everybody was dead. And it was just him and his dad. And his dad didn't want to come home. I want you to watch this, this clip. Because here's the thing. The, 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 what happened with his dad was that his dad could never get enough for the desire for more. And his dad, if you watch the movie... Um, you'll see that like his dad neglected his family, his da dad neglected his son. He had this heart to heart and he was like, you know, I didn't even care about you. I didn't, I didn't have any, I didn't need the world or anything the world offered, including you, son. And I'm sorry, but that's just the truth. I was in this desire for more, more, more of what the heavens had. How ironic is that? But he found nothing out there, found nothing in the stars found nothing even as far out as Neptune. And Brad was chasing that same dream. His name wasn't Brad, the, the son. He was, he was chasing the same things. Finally, he comes back. And he comes to where uh, uh, he's, he's made it back. His mission is accomplished. He gets back to earth. And this is the final points of his... his um, of what he's sharing with, with kind of like the psychologists. So watch this really quick. I'm steady, calm. I slept well, no bad dreams. I am active and engaged. I'm aware of my surroundings and those in my immediate sphere. I'm attentive. I am focused on the essential to the exclusion of all else. I'm unsure of the future. But I'm not concerned. I will rely on those closest to me. 
and I will share their burdens. As they share mine. I will live and love. Submit. He's never lived like that before. Every single one of his, uh, his previous, you know, psychological evaluations were, I'm my own man. I do everything by myself. I, 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 nothing phases me. I, I'm, I'm an island under myself. I don't care about my family. I don't care about uh, even my own life. I'm all about the mission. And when he comes back from that trip, he comes back a tr- changed person. He comes back seeing that there's more to uh, his life than just chasing after that, that thing, that, that desire for more. And I think sometimes that analogy can correlate into our lives that we, we need to like change our minds We've been driving for and striving for and fighting for something that is way out there. And when you get out there, you're just like, man, this didn't, this didn't do anything for me. It's just added more stress in my life. Just created more pressure on me. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change my mind. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to press heavenward. Instead of literally going to the, the heavens and going up into Neptune and chasing after these things, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to find out what it means to press he- heavenward even in my pit, even in my prison. Like with these shackles on, I'll still be able to go where God wants me to go and do what God wants me to do. I'm believing God for that, trusting God for that. And I'm going to say yes to Jesus. Knowing that when I say yes to Jesus, I'm saying no to some other things in my life. I'm saying no to some things that are, that are, are, are uh, things that God, God would say, you know, this is a waste of your time and your talent and what I've given you. have so much more for you. So why haven't you said yes to me? Why haven't you accepted what I'm offering to you? Say yes to Jesus. And all of a sudden, somehow, in some way, in the midst of everything going on, even the external circumstances that seem just like a chaotic mess sometimes, you can be able to just say, okay, God, This chaotic mess, it's not mine. It's yours. I'm trusting you with it. I'm putting it in your hands. I'm saying, God, take control of my mess. I need you in the midst of it. You know, the the end of Job chapter 9, Job's saying, after he's like, I can't smile in this pit. Like, it, it's too messy. And even if I try to wash myself up, I get, I get dirty. In the end of Job 9, he says, if only there were someone to mediate between us, someone to bring us together, someone to remove God's rod from me so that his terror would frighten me no more. Then I would speak up without fear of him. But as it now stands with me, I cannot. The difference between Job and Paul, Job didn't know that mediator. He didn't know that person that you and I know. And that his name is Jesus. So we can stand in the midst of our pit. We can wash our hands. We can clean ourselves up. And even if something happens and we get thrown back in, Jesus is there to help us back out. And that's what you have to do. That's what I have to do. That's what we have to do. In everything that we do, everything that we're facing, no matter the circumstance, put God first in that, 
Believe him for it and trust him to help you through it. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me? God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for what you're doing in our hearts and in our lives. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for uh, the examples of Job and Paul. God, I know that sometimes life seems as hard or even harder than what Job went through or what Paul went through, but God, I thank you that you never leave us nor forsake us. God, I pray that we would be able to look to you, to look to the heavens, that we would be able to press heavenward, change our mindset, and begin to say yes to Jesus in everything that we do. Oh God, this is yours. This day is yours. We commit it to you. We're going to stand together. We're going to sing a song. I think our musicians are on our way up. We're going to sing a song, and at the end, I'll, I'll close. I know it's already uh, close to the hour time, but um, let's sing together, and um, then I'll come back and lead us in prayer.
never stop working. You never stop. You never stop working. And even when I don't see it, you're working. And even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop. You never stop working. Oh, I can trust you now. change your mind press heavenward not forward not backward press heavenward just forgot what the last one was what's the last one huh say yes to Jesus man Lord Jesus I planned that I really did plan that I was testing you guys say yes to Jesus say yes to Jesus Say yes to Jesus. Wow, that was crazy. <laughs> oh, man. Here's the thing. Um, Kindle Church, just as he said to the Philippian church, to live is Christ, to die is gain. Okay? Like this life, it's, it's like a speck of sand in eternity. It's nothing in the span of eternity. So, so just like... Let, let God do what he's going to do. Let him be in charge. Let him be sovereign. I think about, I think to this verse, this is a verse that has held me many times and I didn't use it, but it's Philippians 4, 4. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. Like this is the joy book from a guy in prison. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. Why? Because the Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace, you need stress, you want to stress less, and the peace of God, not the peace of man, not the peace of mind, not the peace of anything else, medicine or anything else, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, it will guard your heart. It will guard your heart. It will guard your mind in Christ Jesus. When you've done this, when you've pressed heavenward, when you've said yes to Jesus, like it's all done. It's already done. I know that that sounds easy to say and, and you're like, well, pastor, but you don't know what I'm going through. Trust me, I do. Like I, I have to preach this to myself all the time because I get stressed out easily. 
I really do. But I have to be reminded that I've, I've got to realize that this is a temporary moment. This is a temporary circumstance. And God, you're going to get me through this stuff. Your application, besides those verses, your application this week is to read Philippians. Chapters 1, 2, 3, and 4. Philippians. Read it this week. Read Philippians 1 tomorrow, 2 the next day, 3 the next day, 4 the next day. Just read it. Let it like sink in on you. Let it settle in on you. And figure out, God, what do you want to do in my life? Open the word and get into it this week. Heavenly Father, again, we ask you to do what only you can do. Minister to hearts. If you need prayer this morning, just just. If you need God to do something in your life, just by acknowledging, I'm not going to call you to the front, I'm not going to bring you up, but if you just lift your hand and say, Pastor, pray for me, I need prayer. I see your hand. I see your hand. I see your hand all over this room. I see your hand. I see your hand, sir. I see your hand over on my right. I see your hand. I see your hand all over this room. God, you, you see hands, but also you know hearts. You know everything about us. You care about the details of our life. And we pray right now, oh God, that you administer to people right where they're at. Whether they're in the pr- prison or the pit. Maybe they're on the mountaintop right now, but tomorrow they may be dropping down into a valley. Whatever the circumstance, God, minister to hearts. We say yes to you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said. Thank you, Pastor Trevor, for delivering that word, man. Um, If I can bring up Trevor and Misty, if you guys can just kind of stand right here in the front. I'm going to pray over the offering first, and then we'll get to why you guys are standing there. So join me as we pray. God, I just thank you for this day, Lord. I pray that you bless this offering this morning, Father. I pray that it continue to, to push the gospel forward, Lord, in this city, Father, and all around the world, Lord. I pray that you bless these families standing here, God, and, and just do what you're doing in our lives, Father. We pray that, that you pursue us more and more every day, God. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. So, as Pastor Trevor had mentioned previously, they are celebrating 20 years of marriage. It's awesome. That is awesome, awesome, awesome. And so on behalf of the Renew crew, we want to let you two know how much we're grateful for you two. We love you guys. And so we went behind your guys' back this week, and we started texting each other. And we got you guys a little something here just to show our appreciation for you guys. And now we're going to pray with you guys. So if anyone wants to come and lay hands, feel free to come and lay hands on our pastors. on the outside it's sweet
generation we worship you.